thanks to our sponsor, Geomont. Have you thought about adding contact center capabilities into your existing Microsoft Teams user base? If so, take advantage of our promo to add BuzzEasy Contact Center for Teams from Geomont and get your first month subscription for free. It's a complete omni-channel experience that works seamlessly with Teams Voice. BuzzEasy was developed with best practices in Azure and offers a rich, easy-to-use experience. Geomont is a Microsoft Gold partner and part of the technology adoption program, and their BuzzEasy chatbot solution for Microsoft Teams has been chosen as a preferred solution on the Microsoft App Store. See the show notes for details around our special offer. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 425, where today, CJ and I are going to cover some important security news that all Microsoft Cloud developers should be aware of. Recorded live September the 2nd, 2021. This episode is brought to you by Orchestry. Don't be fooled. Microsoft Teams and SharePoint are difficult. Microsoft Teams, when simply turned on, can be unruly and yield endless sprawl. SharePoint causes constant frustration with user interface and permissioning challenges. End the chaos and harness the full power of Microsoft Teams, SharePoint Online, and Microsoft 365 with Orchestry. Orchestry is the work-made simple platform that empowers end users through controlled self-service provisioning while delivering the actionable insights and lifecycle management your IT administrators need to enable remote and hybrid work productivity without locking down the powerful capabilities of Microsoft Teams and SharePoint Online. See why so many are claiming Orchestry to be the must-have Microsoft Teams management tool of 2021. Get your free access to Orchestry with full featured trial at orchestry.com and tell them the Microsoft Cloud Show sent you to get the all the friends of the show perks. Back to the show. Morning, CJ. How's it going? <laughs> did you forget the year there for a second? You know, I did. <laughs> I did for a second. I started to second guess myself and I can actually have a reason. I usually have two cups of coffee today and I think I had effectively like four because I was learning pre-calc. <laughs> Well, no, I, I literally only had, physically only had two cups of coffee, but I was doing pre-calc homework and having to reteach and refresh myself on what the quadratic formula is. And Oh, you're going to need a lot of cups of coffee. I tell you what, man, after two cups, I had to do like three or four problems. So my son was having trouble like figuring some stuff out in this pre-calc class, came down, showed me his homework. And uh, he's like, I'm going to get a shower, but can you help me with this? And I was like, yep. So I had my, as I'm having my breakfast, I'm doing pre-calc homework, doing my research, and he comes down from his shower and it's like, he's like, you got it? I'm like, I got it. Let me explain this to you. <laughs> wow. Man, I'm dreading that day when I have to go back to my calculus courses. Crikey. One of the things that's really cool about it that we didn't have when we were growing up is that there are sites, I'm sure there's apps too, but there are sites where you can plug in the formula and not only does it solve it and tell you what the answer is, it tells you the steps as you have to go through it. So this one, I think it was tigeralgebra.com. I plugged in the formula and it like walks through and has like explanations of what it was, of how mm. to figure it out. The developer in me is like, this is cool. How in the hell did you guys write a program that can actually do this? But that's neither here nor there. But yeah, it was good. He was like, I plugged two of them in. It showed me the results. And so he had like four to go through. So I did all the other ones and it's like, sit down, let's take a look at it. And he's like, okay, yeah, totally makes sense. I'm like, dang, sweet. So nice. I tweeted my homework. <laughs> you should go take a look at it. I tweeted my okay. homework. That'll give you, that'll remind, refresh you on what it is. But so, well, I'll bring back horror stories. Yeah. I loved it. I just, oh man, I really did not enjoy maths all the way through university. You know, like third year maths was just, ugh. anyway. So what you been up to? Not too much, actually. Um, getting a bunch of work done and stuff around the house after we got back from being away for a while. So my daughter just turned uh, 11, so I've had that going on as well. 
and then a bit of back to school stuff. So they've, you know, they've started school this week. So, you know, they've got all of that uh, new normal to get used to. Okay. You are not as, I was going to say you're not as experienced, but you don't have as much of a history as I have with the whole working from home thing, because yep. that's what you do primarily now. And, but you did it like before last year. It was, I don't want to say it was new to you because you've done it before, but it wasn't like full time. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was essentially new to me. Yeah. Okay. So you've had the kids home for a year doing school from home. Then you had them home for the summer and all that time you were home. And so now they're back at school now. Yeah. Do you notice a significant difference with them back in school? I guess I should ask, they're back in like physical school. Like they're getting on the school bus and going to school. Correct. They are. Yeah. So have you noticed a big difference this week? Uh, It's only been a couple of days. So give me, give me a few more days, Mm -hmm. but no, they've been pretty good about when I've got my office door closed, they don't come in without sort of checking first without knocking or, or they know that I'm working. So I have that same thing, but even with the door open, they know not to, they know to avoid me or not avoid me, but like not to disrupt work. Interrupt you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it still feels, the house just feels empty. Knowing they're not here just yeah. feels empty. Feels even quiet. if they were hanging, yeah. yeah, even if they were just hanging out in their rooms and just not like. That's true. So, but anyway. Right. Yeah, I know what you mean. It doesn't have that same sort of vibe of, of being alive with activity. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so before we start diving into stuff, I got a couple, couple little things here. So first of all, we want to give a shout out and a big thank you to, if anybody picked up on it during the intro to the show, we have a new sponsor. It's Orchestry. Yes. If anybody remembers, we sat down, we had an interview with Michael from Orchestry. I can't remember exactly when it was. Do you remember what episode it was? No, a few shows ago now. Yeah. I'll so we talked about their product and after a while they came back and they're like, hey, we'd love to sponsor the show. So we're thrilled to have them uh, joining us and helping supporting the show and bring this on. So everyone, please head over to your favorite Twitter's client and give them a shout out and say, thanks for sponsoring the podcast. The yeah, Microsoft Cloud Show podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're very honored and lucky to have them on board. Absolutely. So it's a real honor to have them on, and, and thanks for supporting the show, Orchestry. Absolutely. Hey, the other thing I wanted to ask you was, last week, I kind of teased it up a little bit. By chance, did you read that Edward Snowden, um, the All-Seeing Eye article? I did. After you put me onto it, I went and took a look at it, and um, yeah, made perfect sense. It was a good read, actually. It's kind of, it's. Uh, I get the whole the concern about, you know, the whole save the children, what about the children kind of a thing. But just seeing what the potential, like what the potential impact or implications are of Apple adding this, the scanning on your, on everybody's iPhones. So once you get to iOS 15, it's a little scary. So it's definitely concerning. I agree. I liked his explanation about end-to-end encryption and why he thinks Apple is putting this in as kind of an escape hatch for that to, be able to find stuff on people's phones if required or whatnot. But it is, you know, in all these cases, everybody has an agenda. And I don't know how to balance this one very well. Like, I tend to side on the on the side of caution, right? But, you know, I also wonder, I just don't know how to, how, how to know exactly how far over the line Apple's stepping on this one mm-hmm. because I don't know enough about exactly what's happening myself. And so, yeah, reading that article and reading up what else is going on the new, around on the on the web around this, you know, they're all talking about the sky falling and I'm like, okay, but is it really? Like, is this, it's hard for me to judge this one, I guess was what I'm saying. Yep. It's hard to know. So I did think his point about more than likely this will just come and go and nobody will notice because it's such an invisible invasion of privacy that people, like general public, won't even realize. 
but it's the ramifications and the implications, you know, moving on that are the most horrifying about this one. Yeah, I agree. I, that's the thing that concerns me and about with the, the bad actor states or at least states that are using this to do a bit more surveillance and to compromise security or compromise the, the end-to-end encryption of people's information. That's the part that's just... It's scary, and it's but the th- I guess the thing with it to me that just that that is so concerning about it. You know, I, I don't think that you should try and stop technology just to stop it because you don't like where somebody what somebody could do with it. I mean, once the cat's out of the bag and you know how to do it, it's not like you can just say, "Hey, you know, unlearn how to how to make a nuclear bomb." Yeah, <laughs> but this is different in the sense that we know how to do this. We've always known how to do this. What's different about this is that it's compromising, or it's a, it's effectively, I think, it's compromising. The security of an iPhone, one of the most prevalent devices yes. that everybody everybody around the world has, or so many people around the world have. And because of that, it's going to compromise all of their security on their phones, on their devices, which it's going to be interesting to see what like certain governments say about being able to use this. Are they going to mandate it or are they going to or certain organizations going to block you from from using an iPhone for for work stuff coming up? I mean, if if that's the case, I mean, you really are opening up the door to where, you know, before end-to-end encryption happens, we're going to scan your stuff. Yeah. The way I explained it working is if they want to do a scan, they can make your phone do a local scan for this content and then upload the results, right? So they don't have to even pre-scan it. They can do it whenever. And so, but those rules of what they look for, that can change, right? So it's not just, in this case, it was, you know, starting with illegal content around child pornography, but they could add filters to go search for any, you know, anything. It could be, you know, much more broad than that. So, yeah, it just seems very against what Apple has been saying for the last 10 years. You know, they've had mm-hmm. a pretty good track record on privacy with iPhone and, you know, they haven't always capitulated to law enforcement of, you know, cracking iPhones. They've pushed back in a lot of cases, things like that. So it is a strange move, I think, from their part and is likely... Uh, is likely a get-out-of-jail-free card for them against government saying you have to implement these back doors for us. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing that scares me about it. But Yeah, definitely. If you haven't read the article, listeners, go check it out. We'll put it in the show notes. It's, a, it's, it's not super long, but it is pretty interesting, and it explains what they're, what they're looking at doing. So um, worth a read. Yeah, I especially like it because it takes, it really strips away the child pornography-like filter Lens. that... Yeah. Lens, yeah, that is that this new feature is being sold as. And so when you take that away and you see what the implications are going, if they can stop child pornography, yeah, I think that's a great thing. It's like going, yeah, but look at what they're doing because that's actually, I don't, that's not part of the debate. No, exactly. It was quite funny. It was, you know, sort of humorous as he wrote the article as well about different people at Apple. And I think it's Craig Feder- Federinghi, is that his name? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the handsome man in a suit being trotted out to take the hit on this one and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> it was pretty funny. There's, so, a, uh, there's a really funny, funny interview with him that's going on Twitter. I think it was the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal did it with him. And he's like, yeah, this this was reported as this. And that's not at all what it is. What this is, and then he purported, he, he then repeated exactly what had been reported it was. Because what it really is, is this. It's like, everyone's saying it's A. It's not really A. Let me explain what it is. So it's A. Everyone's <laughs> like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. it's it, definitely that whole Apple reality distortion field coming into play yeah. where they're trying to essentially gaslight you and tell you you're crazy for thinking what they're actually doing. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Okay, so 
let's start diving into the to the meat of the show here. I got uh, a couple little message center things we want to do for Microsoft 365, and then we'll dive into the news. So we'll start with first our what's new in Microsoft 365. This episode is sponsored by ShareGate. Microsoft Teams can be a great tool for your organization. That is, before your users make your environment messier than eating a hard shell taco. And that's where ShareCake comes in. Their user-friendly tools automate the tedious daily tasks involved in migrating, managing, and securing Microsoft Teams so that you can maintain a safe and productive environment without locking it down. Head over to ShareGate.com for your free 30-day trial and transform the way that you manage your Microsoft Teams. And we're back. All right, first up, I have two items here worth note. So one of them is Message Center 281145. It's the retirement of Azure AD Graph and License Assignment Operations and updates to License Management APIs and PowerShell. So effectively what this is, this is just a reminder that on June 30th of 2022, so yes, you have almost a full year to worry about this, apps using the Azure AD Graph after this time are no longer receive responses from that endpoint. So effectively, Azure AD Graph is not the same thing as the Microsoft Graph that allows you to have access to all of your data in Microsoft 365. The Azure AD Graph was the REST endpoint that was created by the Azure team for Azure AD. And I know that, you know, just like so many other things, Graph has gotten to be an overused term, especially in Redmond, it seems. So this is not saying that they're retiring any of the capabilities in the Microsoft Graph. They're simply retiring the Azure AD Graph right. capability. Yes, uh, and then the things point. that leverage that, which are like a license management APIs and PowerShell commandlets. Gotcha. The other one that I have here is Message Center 281909. And this is a replacement of the System Center Operations Management Pack for Office 365. Really, this is gonna be hard to kind of splice when you hear this, when you read it, it makes a little more sense, but let me, I'm gonna do my best with this. In August, they released, in August of this year, they released the Microsoft SCOM, SCOM, SCOM management pack for Microsoft 365. And when they did that, they retired the same thing for Office 365. It just means that there's, there's, it's new and improved, but if you were already, if you were using the management pack for Office 365, know that it's been retired and that there's a replacement for it for Microsoft 365. So if you're like, wait a minute, they got rid of this? No, they just effectively, they republished it under a new name is the big thing. But then there are some changes, some improvements there. So you can go dive in and see what those things are. Gotcha. So those are the two ones I wanted to cover today. But we also have a boatload of news. There's some security stuff that we want to cover as well. So let's go ahead and dive into the news. This podcast is brought to you by Raygun. Are you under increasing pressure to ship code faster than ever before? Then it's time to work smarter with Raygun's modern approach to error and performance monitoring. Raygun gives you instant visibility into the health of your software. And what makes it so unique is that not only it tells you when something's gone wrong, it shows you exactly where it's gone wrong and how to fix it right down to the line of code. Made by developers for developers, Raygun has built a suite of monitoring tools that are used and loved by thousands of software teams every day. Monitor every corner of your tech stack with widespread language support and native integrations with GitHub, Jira, Slack, Bitbucket, Octopus Deploy, and more for even greater visibility. Visit raygun.com to resolve issues faster and to deliver flawless digital experiences to your users. That's raygun.com to get started on your 14-day free trial with plans starting from as little as $4 per month. And now, back to the show. 
Mr. Johnson, would you like to start us out with any bits of news that you see as interesting and appealing for our listeners? Sure. Well, if you are a Microsoft hardware fan, not an actual fan that rotate. Uh, anyway, you know what I mean. Fans only? Sorry? Fans only or only fans? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. No, no. Stay on target. Microsoft has announced a new Surface event for September 22nd. So it looks like new Surface hardware is coming and on the way. Rumors are that it'll be a new Surface Duo and a new Surface laptop, which actually took me a little bit by surprise. So I think Surface Duo, yeah, I was not expecting to see another one released. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the right way to say it? That's a nice way to say it. Yeah, considering I have seen no one in the real world have one, I wasn't either. Yeah, I mean, this thing suffered from poor timing, right? It it released during a pandemic. Nobody was traveling. It's a device that is targeted at travel, for, at least in my mind, it's targeted at travel. It's too big as a phone to stick against your head. or I mean, it's not. You can use it like that. But it just looks ridiculous. So it's just this interesting sort of device. Like for years I spouted, I want one of these things that looks just like this. And now they came out and I'm like, I don't want one of those things. And it's mainly because I'm just not traveling for work anymore. And I would absolutely have one if I was traveling. So, you know, maybe they're still thinking that as the strategy and people will go back to travel and all of this and things will pick back up. But uh, anyway, there's a Surface Duo 2. The leaked images don't fill me with great happiness and joy that it's going to be an enormous step in the right direction. So uh, I guess we'll see. But if you need something portable and small, then maybe this is the thing for you. And then the other one was, the other one that they're looking for is, what was it? The laptop, right? The, um, yeah, they're looking for, or yeah, I think the new Surface laptop is another uh, device that they'll come out, which is a bit more interesting. I actually, like the Surface laptop's pretty nice. So, um, yeah, September 22nd, we'll get a new online event, which will no doubt feature Panos, the newly minted direct report of Sarcha, espousing in voluptuous and long-winded you know, <laughs> terminology as, as, <laughs> how glorious as, they are. As somebody who is, we've all made so much fun of Apple and Steve Jobs and Tim Cook and Mundy and all those guys that we've that we've made fun of at these different Apple events about how they talk about how beautiful and gorgeous and stunning and vibrant and how great mm. their devices are. Oh, it just tastes so good. Yeah, but then you switch all the way over to Panos, which does the same thing, but he's like, my spin on it is that I'm going to do it like I'm speaking at a funeral, and you're not going to be able to tell with my deadpan expression that I really do feel fantastic about this, but... God, you would have to pay me a million dollars to crack a smile. And it just, <laughs> I just, I can't watch those events because he just drives yeah. me nuts. His mannerisms uh, just get just really great on me to where I can't, I can't focus on the content at hand. It's I like, just, uh. I just want to go, I just want to like fast forward through the puffery, quit the crap and bring on the meat. Like I want to see yeah. the specs. I want to see the, the timelines, the prices, all of that. I don't need all of the, the gloriousness. I had a funny, this is a slight deviation, but I had a I was whiskey tasting once with the ex-master distiller from Maker's Mark. He was doing a tasting event at a local whiskey distillery, and he was telling a story about how he went to um, all these other master distillers from around the country. They got together and they tasted each other's whiskeys, and they they gave the tasting notes of them and things like that. 
bourbons, I think. And one guy was tasting his whiskey and he was like, mm, oh, and the caramel and mm, oh, and the vanilla and mm, oh, I'm getting hints of earthy this and leafy that and grass clippings of this and horse manure of that. And, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> and he turned around, this, this guy, this, the master distiller, turned around to the guy next to him and he goes, I don't know about you, but I don't put any of that crap in my scotch or, or something like that or in my whiskey. And, and I get the same, I think of that exact same story when I see these presentations. I'm like, I don't know about you, but I don't see any of that in this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way. I don't need that. I mean, show it being used. Show me the, show me the specs. I mean, it, this whole like that sales pitchy thing, I just wonder how, who that really resonates with. Because I don't see the people that I would think it resonates with, I don't see them watching an Apple event or watching a Microsoft event. Like the people that are Definitely watching those events Microsoft live. One. An Apple no. one, maybe. Maybe well, if no. you're a total iOS or, uh, sorry, iPhone and iPad fanboy, you might tune in to watch them. Well, okay, but here's my point then. So I think with both Apple and with the Microsoft one, I think that it's the people that are tuning into the live events, it's the geeks. It's the geeks that are yeah. turning in to watch those things. It's True. not the consumer where that's tuning into it. They want to see what's in the latest iPhone, which they're going to get that from all the other like news things Outlets. the next day. Yeah. 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 But they're like they're you're, they're gonna see in the news, oh, the new Apple Watch does blood pressure and pulse ox. And they're oh, that's cool. I like that. But they're not gonna sit there and wait for someone to put it on their arm and show how beautiful this is and check Talk out my pulse ox and this, oh, it might be I might have COVID right now because I'm down in the ninety twos <laughs> or ninety one. <laughs> or how the, it, or how the color reminds them of of vanilla pods on a <laughs> warm summer's evening. Oh my god. <laughs> Okay, well, so anyway. Microsoft has some new devices coming out. That'll be cool. Well, curious to see what those are. Yeah. Or curious to see what, how, what, what how they... How received. Yeah, how it's received. I've got a bit of news here. This, of course, follows our theme. If you ever want to know when bad news or big news is going to hit with a, in terms of a security update or a flaw or something like that, you always want to check with the Microsoft Cloud Show and when CJ and I plan to record, because without fail, the news will always come out right after we record the next Correct. week's episode. Continuing on that trend, last Thursday on August the 27th, there was an announcement of late in the day, came out on, on Reuters, actually, on uh, the news service, that someone found a epic security hole with Cosmos DB. And so much so that Microsoft, within 48 hours of receiving the notification, they haven't fixed it, but they blocked it. They blocked yep. the access to it, and yep. they sent a blast out. They said they sent an email out to thousands of their customers saying, hey, heads up. But I'm a commercial customer of Cosmos, and I never got the email, so I was a little concerned by that. Yeah, I don't think everybody was affected. Uh, you don't think so? so it's, no. Well, so so the way that this happened, what happened? What, there's a company called Wiz. They got paid forty grand for a net, for notifying Microsoft of this flaw that they found. In the show notes, you'll find the Reuters news article and then two links from the Wiz blog, one when they announced what the problem was, and then another one on how you can protect yourself with a little more detail on what they found. Effectively, what it was is that in 2019, Microsoft added the ability to have the, a Jupyter Notebook added to your Cosmos DB. But in February of 2021 of this year, it was automatically turned on for all new databases that were created. So if you didn't have a Jupyter Notebook that you added to it, or if you yes. created a Cosmos DB after February 21st, sorry, let me say that again. If you added a Jupyter Notebook to your Cosmos DB, or if you created a new Cosmos DB after February 2021, 
then you were subject to being, you were vulnerable. Correct. What happened is, is that Jupyter Notebooks is just basically, think of it, I'm going to give it to you in a very uh, small nutshell. It's a really cool technology, but basically it allows you to write an article and then have like little snippets of that article run code and show the results in it. So it's great for like using it as like a report or like a live report kind of a thing. Yeah, gotcha. What they did is that they were able to create a Jupyter Notebook Send it to a victim or to the 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 uh, some customer. That Jupyter notebook was able to get data out of their Cosmos DB. But what it did is that notebook was able to use the connection to Cosmos to get the the keys, like the connection string, effectively to get the keys from the Cosmos DB and sent not only use it to connect to the Jupyter notebook or to Cosmos DB, but also to send it back to the attacker who can then use those keys to do anything they wanted with your Cosmos DB or notebook storage. You didn't have to give them access or anything. Once they had the key, they could. They were basically in God mode. They can do whatever they wanted. So there's a really good, the blog post on the Wiz blog does a good job, the one called Protecting Your Environment from, from Chaos DB, which is what they referred to this as. They give you a step-by-step of, here's how you can tell if you're affected by this. What they've done though, Microsoft did shut this down they made sure that this can't that this is not going to happen going forward they are doing a security uh, review to try and redesign the feature to make sure that it's that this can't happen in the future but for now they decided to just say nope we're going to shut it off because this is such a big deal we need to make sure that people can't can't do this so they did say that if you were affected by this the best remediation steps that you can do is number 1 regen your primary keys for Cosmos DB. And then you could also uh, reduce network exposure of your Cosmos DB account. So even if you had a connection, you couldn't just have someone just randomly connect to a a Cosmos DB that was like publicly available. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Mm -hmm. It's very bad. It's brutal. But uh, they responded very quickly. And by all accounts, you know, from what Microsoft have been saying, it hasn't been used outside of the researchers' use. So, I mean, you can't rule it out, but that makes you yeah, hopefully makes people sleep a little bit easier at night. Yeah. But yeah, rotate your keys. I had a uh, interesting Twitter conversation with a guy who is the chief analyst at some, or sorry, chief cloud economist at the Duckbill Group, who was like, this is cloud Armageddon and all this clickbaity stuff. And I was like, it's bad, but come on, like, it's not Armageddon given Microsoft saying it wasn't used as far as we know. And um, that it's, Oh, no, he called it apocalyptic, I think it was. Oh, no, no, sorry, it was Armageddon. Anyway, he carried on saying, if you don't think this is like the end of enterprise trust with Microsoft, you know, I'd like to take the other side of that bet. And I was like, okay, I'll bet you that Microsoft hits 400 bucks by the end of the year due to primarily Azure growth. And I haven't heard anything from him since that. <laughs> and I'm very tempted to reply with the with a, a little animated gif of Back to the Future with Michael J. Fox turning around and saying, did you just call me chicken? (laughs) (laughs) So yes, yeah, yeah. anyway. Uh, Yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty pretty brutal one for uh, for Cosmos, though. Yeah, totally. At least we haven't found that everybody's data has been stolen just yet. I have one here that I think is even not not clickbaity, but more shocking than the Cosmos DB one. Uh-oh. It's not a hack. It's Well, it's not a technology hack. It's a business hack. How about that? Mm. Okay. So, did you know that the Chinese operating of ARM has just totally gone rogue? Have you heard no. about this story? No. So, there's the China... The, oh, God, I want to say ARM, but it doesn't make sense. The China subsidiary of ARM okay. has essentially stopped communicating with their parent 
company has started doing deals off on the side and is selling chips and starting to build their own chips separate from the main arm company and has just gone totally rogue. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So apparently they're just operating as if they're an independent company and just don't seem to care that they were once owned by Arm Limited, which is their parent organization. Oh, uh, they've my taken God. their IP, they're building ARM-based chips. They're doing now they're they're started they're sort of forking the designs and adding their own things and coming up with their own chip designs as well. But have just essentially gone rogue from their parent company and don't seem to care. And it gets a bit more complicated because the Chinese government are involved, apparently. Like when you do a joint venture like this in China, there has to be more involvement from Chinese-based owners, right? And so essentially it's not all the parent company that's involved, right? There's there's other parties involved, but they've essentially just decided to, you know, go rogue and do their own thing. So much so that they're like launching their own new lines of of chips and things like that for the China market. But yeah, interesting, huh? That make you think twice about partnering. Well, I guess I shouldn't go there because that's, that's just... It's a tough one because, you know, especially in chips, like Arm is an IP company, mm-hmm. right? They, I actually don't think they make any of their own chips. I think it's, they, they make the, the designs, and then they they license the chip designs to chip manufacturers that or companies that want to go and make chips, like Apple, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and Microsoft, and a bunch of other companies actually that make chips for various devices. So they've essentially sort of carved off the IP that they had prior. The parent company is no longer sending them new designs for chips, and they're just going to sort of go on their own. That's nuts. That's absolutely nuts. Yeah, I mean, I'm no expert on how this sort of stuff works in China, but. It's not what you would expect, I guess, by the looks of it. Yeah, it's just surprising that they can do that. And it's not so much, I mean, that's a pretty big company to do that to, but and a pretty big company in the industry to do that to. But the thing that just scares me about it is that without any kind of enforcement or check and balance coming from the Chinese government, it's a little scary to me just being like, well, I'd, I'd think twice about doing you know, business with a Chinese company, if they're getting kind of air cover with that. And this if things, yeah. lack of action is air cover to me. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll see more of this in due course. I'm sure they'll, I'm sure there'll be court fights over this and court battles and all that sort of stuff. Like it's a... Uh, but would it be, be enforceable? That's the thing. Like if there's a battle thing. in the United States, would it even be enforceable in China? So who knows? Who knows? Well, no, yeah, I guess it wouldn't. But the, uh, some of the comments were like, but they won't be able to do business outside of China. And the other replies were like, I don't think that's their plan. (laughs) (laughs) I think they're focused on the Chinese market. So, yeah. Yeah, there's still a pretty big market. It's a huge market. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good find. Let's go read up on that one. I've got one here, another security-related one for developers. I'm sure that some of our listeners are developers, and I would guess that there is at least a subset of those people that are using Git at GitHub for your, uh, your source control. Well, GitHub uh, announced on September the 1st that they're making some changes to the Git protocol. So first of all, if you work with, if you have a GitHub account and you have cloned any repos or you have anything that you've cloned any repositories and you're using the protocol HTTPS. So if you look mm-hmm. at any of your Git remotes and you look at the the, the uh, endpoints and if they start with HTTPS, none of this affects you. But if you're using the Git protocol, or you use SSH to connect to GitHub, like I do that for all of my stuff. I don't use HTTPS. I use SSH. Mm -hmm. Then this does affect you. And effectively what they're doing is they are, you can have an unsecured Git protocol that's not secured with anything. 
they're getting rid of that or they're turning it off. They are also dropping the support. Rid of it? They're yeah, G E T T I N G of unsecured G I T. <laughs> they're also ditching some what are considered not terribly, not as secure by modern standards key types. So if you had a DSA based key for SSH, that's no longer going to be accepted. DSH is only an 80 bit security where uh, 128-bit is the standard. Git says that, hey, there's less than a half a percent of the people that are actually doing this, so we don't think it's going to make that much of an impact. But they have other things, too, where they're dropping support for insecure algorithms for specific, for creating your SSH keys, dropping insecure signature algorithms, and they're effectively just making sure that everything is as secure as it can possibly be. The, The blog post that they have here, They've got a really good link to it where you can go where it explains, like, how do I make sure that that I'm up to date, how to make sure that everything with my stuff is is good. If you scroll down on the post, there's a section called How Do I Prepare? And it's really easy to check this. They, they point to a repo with a script that you can run that'll tell you if every if your keys are good or not. And it also has a recommendation for you to make a change in your config file on uh, your SSH directory to basically say that I can update the host keys for Git, for github.com when they decide to roll their keys. Right. So, All right, I've got a funny one here. I'm not going to go through it in detail, but Microsoft will give you coffee if you renew your Microsoft 365 subscription. Really? They're sending out emails to people, curiously, not long before their renewal date on Microsoft 365, and they're offering them an exclusive offer from Starbucks. And apparently... It's a thank you for being a Microsoft 365 subscriber that they'll send you 150, I think it is 150, stars. You know the Starbucks reward app, how you can how you get stars and stuff like that when you buy products from them? Yeah. They'll send you 150 stars, which you know you should be able to get a coffee with. Stars cannot be redeemed for alcoholic beverages or multi-served items. So they don't want to get you boozed, but you're allowed to go get a coffee for renewals, which is, you know, you need a Starbucks rewards program membership or whatever like you've got to use the app essentially but they'll send you a free subscription anyway this article is pretty funny it's basically like you think a free coffee is going to sway my decision about whether i (laughs) renew my 365 subscription like uh curious yeah (laughs) so i'd be interested in hearing if anybody got one of these i haven't had one for any subscriptions i suppose but maybe they're just not targeted at me maybe you have to be of a certain size or a particular type of skew or something like that. Maybe you have to like Starbucks. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, exactly. That's a good point. That's exactly why it's not targeted at you. Or Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, so get your free coffee on Starbucks and Microsoft. Docker made a big splash this week by basically saying that, hey, if you're a big business, Docker's not free for you anymore. Although it's kind of debatable if this is going to have much of a, a much of an impact. So what they did is they renamed their free plan to their personal plan. And they now say that if you have a business with 250 or more employees, or you have higher than $10 million in annual revenue, you must use a paid subscription to use Docker Desktop. There are three paid plans. You had the existing pro plan and the existing team plan. But now there is a new plan called the business plan. And this is $21 per user per month. The business subscription adds features such as centralized management, enhanced security, and single sign-on. This only applies to Docker Desktop, which is like the GUI-based tool for managing very various Docker components and stuff like that. 
It's not required. It's just a, it's a tool that you can use to help make it easier to manage your Docker investment, your Docker setup. So just keep that in mind. So um, yeah, yeah. I, you know, Docker's had a bit of a rough few years and kind of got trounced by Kubernetes coming along for orchestration. Mm-hmm. And they've been sort of scrambling ever since. They've gone through a couple of CEOs. It's unclear about how they're going to make money. This is obviously their next move in that regard. Uh, so I guess, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, Docker Desktop is a pretty good tool. We'll yet to see, I guess, yet to be seen how this will affect uh, how they're making money. I think they've done it in a reasonable way, though. They're basically saying for personal use, it's free, but there are some limitations on how many images you can pull per day and all that. And then, you know, there's a pro team, there's a pro plan, a team plan, and a business plan as it sort of steps up in the size and capabilities. So, you know, just from a quick glance, it looks, it doesn't look ridiculous. It doesn't. It doesn't. And it, I mean, like you said, they've been struggling to come up with a sustainable business model. Yeah. I know it's a shocker, but when you build an open source tool, sometimes it is tough to actually make money off the whole thing. And that's what they've been struggling with. So, yeah. but it makes sense. I mean, if you're a large company, you're using a tool and they're maintaining it and they're doing security updates to it and they're improving and adding features. It makes sense that you should have to pay for it. So I get it. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, I have one here. Verizon and Microsoft jumping in the sack together to roll out a new Azure Edge offering, the Verizon 5G Edge with Microsoft Azure stack. Hmm. I don't know if that's what it's going to be called, but that's what the, the article suggests. It's a cloud platform that puts computing storage at services at the edge of the network and basically hooks up to a 5G network. That's what I can take of it. Oh, the commercial 5G network that Verizon are running. So I imagine this is, you know, you want to deploy some compute in a particular location. Maybe it's, you know, not amenable to being connected up to a network easily. And so this might be something that um, uh, that you want to look at. So, uh, yeah, it's um, essentially a partner offering, I guess, between the two. And um, uh, you'd be able to go get it all bundled together and, and roll it out. Hmm. That's cool. Continuing on with our Surface announcement we had a little bit ago, prior to the Surface announced, or just after the Surface announcement that Microsoft is holding for their new Surface devices, they have announced that Windows 11 is going to go GA and be available on October the 5th of this year. Right after the Surface, right after the Surface announcement, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I guess, timing makes sense. Talk about the hardware, say it'll run Windows 11, and then... Uh, Talk about Windows 11. There you go. And they've talked about in the blog post that we'll link to, they do have a few. It's going to be a free update and start rolling out to eligible Windows 10 PCs and PCs that are preloaded with Windows. And then PCs that will be preloaded with Windows 11, they'll start becoming available for purchase. There's a new fresh design, modern, fresh, clean, beautiful. They've modified how the start menu works. They've got snap layouts, snap groups, desktops. Chat from Teams is integrating the taskbar. That's an interesting feature because it's not team I don't I don't think that that's the teams like that's not enterprise teams if that's the right the way to call it that's in that personal teams or teams for life who knows yeah I get it's confu- <laughs> it's confusing to me it's very confusing but <laughs> yeah I you're a windows guy are you are you excited about it no <laughs> I like okay so I'm getting older this would be something I would have been excited about and that I would have already been running right now now I value lower levels of frustration in my life a lot more than I used to. So yes, will I move to Windows 11? 100% yes. Will I wait until it's out and some arbitrary number of weeks after that? Yeah, probably. Because right now, 
I've got too much on my cards, on the cards, and don't want to, do not want to introduce any levels of tech frustration in my life that I need to. I want stuff to work, and it's unclear. Like you know, play flight sim for example. Will that work on it? People are saying yes, it will. But you know, when I want to go and play a game, I just want to play a game. I don't want to have to like set the time on my VCR. So <laughs> that's what I'm optimizing for at the moment. So I am interested in it. I wouldn't say I'm excited about it. There you go. Gotcha. Okay. I have the exact same experience. Like with the upcoming release, what was it called? Mop. I just blanked on the name. The upcoming release of the next Mac OS version. And I had oh, yeah. completely, I think Monterey is what it is. Yeah, that's, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that rings a bell. I've completely forgotten about the fact that it's coming. Right. And someone's like, oh, yeah, did, are you going to get the latest version? I'm like, yeah. But these updates now are so small and incremental each time they come out that it's like, it doesn't really matter to me. Like when it comes out, it comes out. There's been quite a lot of confusion about whether people will be able to run Windows 11. Mm. And there's been some updates recently on for guidance from Microsoft on what will, what will be able to run it. And I don't have the latest, I can't remember the latest on that. It's got stuff to do with TPM, TPM chips and all that sort of stuff and supported the supported processes. But I will say, I went so far as to order a, blurring it out because it's not my face, I went so far as to order a little module that plugs into my motherboard, which is a dedicated TPM chip. <laughs> when I heard that Windows 11 would require them, I was like, Oh yeah, my computer's getting on a little bit. I'm not sure if it has a TPM. And so I looked it up and it doesn't have a dedicated TPM. And a lot of people will find that when they run the compatibility tool, it says your computer's not not uh, not compatible with Windows 11. However, if you go into your BIOS, then there is oh gosh, the name the name slips my mind now. There's two different names for it, depending on whether you've got an AMD chip or an Intel chip. But essentially, it's their sort of software-defined TPM mm-hmm. in the BIOS that you can turn on. And at the majority of the time, that will suffice to get you past the Windows 11 checks. But um, And so, yeah, sure, sure enough, my BIOS has that. So I ran the tool. It said I failed. I went into the BIOS. I turned it on and ran the tool again, and it said I passed. But I still went and bought a TPM chip because it supports TPM 2.0, whereas I think the I think the stuff in BIOS is only TPM 1.1 or something, 1.2. I can't remember. Mm. Anyway, it was like a $12 chip that you just sort of, there's a header on the motherboard you plug it into and it gives you a dedicated TPM module to use. Mm. So yeah, I did that because I thought, oh, I might need this to run Windows 11. Yeah, you know, I ran into that when I got so confused the other day trying to buy tires uh, for my son's car. And I had the option of choosing between, does the car already have the, I'm going to screw this up because we just said TPM, but the TPMS uh, sensor, like the wireless sensor for checking the pressure on the tires. Oh, yeah. And then seeing the TPM chip. And I remember reading the article about Windows 11, how to go through and to disable it. And I'm like, why is that a pressure sensor on the damn, what, why is it? (laughs) It's part of like Windows 11. It's to gauge my levels of frustration when flight simulator doesn't work. Yeah, well. That's my, mine would be high just in general yeah. with Windows. Mine would just generally be high. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Do we have anything else here we want to cover? I th- no, I think we, we're all done. Should we move on to some picks? Let's move on to some picks. ACs Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. Back to the show. All right, CJ, what you got for us this week? I have got a feel-good story about watches this week. Oh, watching watches? Watching watches. There was an Antiques Roadshow episode that I came across on the internet. 
I don't routinely watch Antiques Roadshow, but I came okay. across this clip out of it on the internet where a US Air Force veteran from Vietnam bought his old Rolex on the show. He bought the Rolex for $345.97 in 1974, right? So it's pretty old. But he bought a 1971 Rolex Oyster Cosmograph, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a particular model, which is weird. I didn't think it was a cos- I thought it was a chronograph. Anyway, he bought it for $345. Anyway, he went on the show and the watch expert explained to him that his watch, it was in perfect condition. Like he hadn't even removed the little plastic backing on the watch. He'd never worn it, been in a box in a safety deposit box the whole time, had all of the original box papers, all of that, that it would be worth about $400,000 to which he collapsed on the floor and was, like, totally blown away. Then the guy said, but that's not all. Like, don't, you know, don't fall, I'm not done yet. And he said that, but because it was in absolute pristine condition with complete documentation, including the foil sticker on the back, that at auction it probably would go between $500,000 and $700,000. Wow. So, the veteran's response in this in this revised valuation was understandably bleeped out of the broadcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> isn't oh that my, cool? Like you love, I love seeing stories like this of of people that are you know he obviously came on knowing he had something valuable, but quite to the extent I'm not entirely sure. I actually you know I watched the clip and the the expert that gave him this valuation. He said, I'm paraphrasing here, but he essentially said, I'm having a hard time explaining exactly how perfect this watch is. And it's possibly the most perfect example of this watch in the world. So um, hence why it would go for so much. Oh my God, this is awesome. Yeah, I got, <laughs> I'm going to have to go watch this. <laughs> yeah, fascinating, that's huh? A, that's a great find. Yeah. I love it when people go on that show and you see clips of them and you're like, well, it looks like a small ceramic mug that you've probably been drinking tea out of. And he was like, yes, yes, I did drink tea out of it. Well, it's actually from, you know, like the Ming Dynasty and blah, blah, blah in China and blah, 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 and it's actually worth a million dollars. You're like, oh, I guess I'm not drinking tea out of it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I might sell this. Yeah. Right? Oh, my yeah. God. That's awesome. How about you? What do you got for us this week? That was cool. So mine's a podcast. There's a big event coming up later this month in September, maybe September the 15th. Maybe a little bit after that. We'll see. But Inspiration 4, which is the first private space launch with private passengers, none of them being an astronaut, to fly and to keep them in orbit for, I think it's three days. Keep them in orbit. Sounds optimistic. Yeah. Well, no, I'm referring to uh, Virgin Galactic and Blue Origin not putting people in orbit. They just kind of touch space, come back down. Yeah, yeah. I know you made, yeah. So SpaceX is going to put up a, the, a Dragon capsule with four people that are on board. We've talked about this previously on the show. There's a podcast from Axios. It's called How It Happened. Season one was all about the insurrection. Season two is all about, is following the um, the Inspiration4 crew throughout this month. So they've had a couple episodes have dropped so far. There's a trailer or a teaser episode. Then they've got another one that, that talks, the first one that has some interviews with some of the original or some of the, um, I guess we can call them astronauts. Well, they're not really astronauts, but they're going to space. So the private citizens that are going to be on the SpaceX Dragon, yep. the Dragon crew capsule. So yeah, it's really good. There's a there, Netflix is also doing a, um, a show as well that apparently I think it starts, it comes out at the beginning of, 
of September comes out at the beginning of the week that this that this episode comes out. If I'm not mistaken, I'm having a hard time finding it before our show, but I believe the first episode or the first two episodes drop the first full week of September, and then mm-hmm. they keep dropping episodes throughout the throughout the month, culminating with the the launch. So this is the podcast because it's available today, and it's uh, so far it's a good listen. Nice. That'll be uh, that'll be fascinating. This will be fun to watch. Yeah, hearing great hearing some podcast. This looks great. It's good. Axios is like I had never heard of this of this media outlet until that one interview that Jonathan Swan did with the yes. former president. <laughs> yeah. And since yeah. then, like I really enjoyed their content. Like I love it when they have a news article and they have you know here's the three big points about this bit in the news and here's why it matters. And right. I love their summary. Just it's very quick to you don't have to sit there and like read this giant article that to deduce what what am I supposed to take away from this. So I'm, I really nice. do like how they do stuff. Yeah, cool. I'll definitely check them out. Well, check out cool. this podcast for sure. It's good. Ruby. Cool deal, man. Well, it was good chatting with you again this week. That wraps up episode four twenty five. And uh, I guess I'll see you next week. Yeah, we will see you all next week. Thanks for uh, listening and. Um, Oh, it's good to chat, AC. Absolutely. Everybody out there, stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Sounds good. Bye. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find out about our show and grow the audience, and we would really appreciate it. If you got a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or an MP3 and provide a link to it so that we can play your question on the show. You can also subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts, in the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up to our mailing list by heading over to our website, microsoftcloudshow.com. You'll get notices of each new episode, as well as the show notes sent directly to you each week. We'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks for listening.